to the Everyday Journey podcast. We are back after a break, and uh, I'm here with Brett Whiteside, uh, whom I met in Chiang Mai. We're here in Chiang Mai. Um, we're gonna be covering uh, Brett's uh, professional and life experiences. He's a language specialist uh, and used to be a teacher, and now runs. Uh, it's, I guess, a successful, a fairly successful online business uh, that's related to uh, teaching Thai. And the website is called uh, LearnTimeFromAWhiteGuy.com, which explains everything already. Like, <laughs> you're gonna learn because he's a teacher, he's a guy, he's a white guy, <laughs> which I guess implies that you're from the United States, right? When people well, say like white guy, that usually uh, means Canadian, American, or I mean. The name started as a joke because uh-huh. I started to teach Thai and and I think one of my friends started, you know, saying something like that, in basically in relation to like Pretty Fly for for a white guy that song from like mm-hmm. the 90s, and also my last name is Whiteside, so it's it was just started as something joke and I was like I might as well just make I put it on a flyer or something before I before I used that name for the site and then I don't know everyone liked it so I just I mean apart went. from a, the fact that it's quite long for a URL name I think everything about it is winning yeah. it explains everything it, it rhymes you right. can easily remember it that's the secret it's like uh, I don't have to have cards or anything because even if they remember most of it they'll find me it's pretty memorable definitely I mean I didn't have to look it up or anything and I just like what happens if I just add .com at the end <laughs> <laughs> right. and it worked yeah. so that existed for how long like when did you start uh, the site had that name probably by mid 2012 end of 2012 mm-hmm. that's when I started I mean I had a blog before then it was like a blogspot or something like that like learn tied up blogspot or something similar and uh, I eventually uh, that, once I started using that name and then I got, you know, I started selling product around 2012, like an ebook back then. Probably towards so, like the last quarter of 2012, maybe. So let me rewind sure. uh, to where you grew up and what led you to becoming a language uh, sort of expert. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was born and grew up in central New Jersey on the east coast of the U.S. And I, uh, I grew up in the suburbs. So it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, I had friends and stuff, but you know, I'm so no, no good memories. Uh, of uh, some, as a child. Oh. yeah, some. I, I, there were some good memories, mostly snow and video games. Oh, okay. <laughs> Winter comes to mind before summer. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess there was a lot of pool action too. Uh-huh. I, I left the states pr- uh, pretty young. I guess I was, well, not as young as some people these days, but this was like 2000, the end of 2002, I left the U.S. for the first time, and I went to London with some friends, and the first day I got there, literally we arrived like little late night, passed out, woke up at like 5 in the morning, am I too quiet? No, it's okay. And uh, I just walked around London for a while by myself, and I knew during this little walk that I was never going to live in the States again. It was just, it was that I knew. thrilling, I riveting... Well, it was like, no, it's like, I didn't realize that I could just leave. Ah, you were in the kind of golden birdcage. I, well, yeah, I mean... With an open door. Pretty much. I didn't know that you could just leave the country and go live somewhere and be fine. And so, 
Mm, interesting. It was. I had. A, I literally was crossing the street and I was stressing out because I, I really wanted a Diet Coke, <laughs> and I couldn't find a Seven Eleven or a, a gas station or anything to where I could buy. It was open. It was like five in the morning. Uh-huh. And I and uh, and then I was crossing the street and I noticed that it was the other way, and I had this moment where like, what's wrong with this place? And then I just had this rush of ideas like, oh, well, I'm an idiot. Like, I can. This is easy, and I can. I don't. The Coke doesn't matter. The Seven Elevens don't matter. And it was a very intense moment of adjustment. It's a huge epiphany. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of things happened within like moments. Yeah, like, like I was complaining in my mind about stuff that didn't matter at all, and then I suddenly realized what was happening, which yeah, is a, cool. a, you know, a rare thing when something like that happens in your life. And, uh, and I went back to the States after this trip, and I gave away or sold everything I owned, and I left five months later, and I went back to the UK for a while. Mm. And then Ireland, I traveled around a bit, and then... I was looking for somewhere cheaper to go because I had spent about a month or so in in that part of the world. But you have no family connections to those places, like no relatives to visit or no. anything like this. It was I had just... I had some a friend in the UK and, and a couple friends in Ireland that had worked in New Jersey for a while, so I kind of had a place to crash in London and a little bit of, and sometimes in in Ireland, but mostly I stayed in hostels in the beginning. The, generally, it happened because you tagged along with with your friends, right? It was not like a the first trip, yeah. Yes. First trip, yeah. yeah. And then the chain Basically, reaction I was started. at a point in my life from high school up until my early 20s where I was, I always wanted to travel and my family never really traveled anywhere. So uh-huh. it was always like this, this desire to go. So you did travel as a kid? Very little, no. Uh-huh. I see. And uh, so literally as soon as I graduated high school, like a day later, I, I hitchhiked to Florida with some friends. And then as that just kind of became a life, I'd, I'd work some job that I hated for three or four months, save up even like $800, and then I would go anywhere. Any, anyone anyone I, that I vaguely knew, even if I didn't really know them or if I didn't particularly like them. If someone said, hey, does anyone want to go to anywhere? I would always be like, let's go. Mm. So I went on a lot of trips around the U.S. I, 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 go. I flew and like met friends on the internet and stuff, people I knew from like online games and girls that I talked to and like AOL chat, like scary stuff back in those mm. days. I would just go fly across the country and go hang out with them for two weeks without having ever seen their face. Adventurous. It was, uh, it was fun. And, and nobody killed positive. me. <laughs> nobody killed you. You didn't kill anyone. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't think so. Mm. Wow. Cool. Yeah, so, yeah, the beginning of the internet around that time uh, really like, gave a lot of uh, new ideas about how to connect with people and, and where to visit. Right. Yeah, I remember I was in IRC chat uh, for the first time, and I was in the general chat room, and I would go into private uh, conversations with some people, because mm-hmm. uh, you could like, go into a private window and I spoke with this uh, girl from Latvia or something like that and, and it was so amazing that we could in real time discuss like what's you know what's outside the window what's the weather like you know and I would get like a live update from that location from the person <laughs> and they weren't I mean they were interested in, in giving this to me and, and I was interested in sharing back and I right. just, we just spoke for like five hours just chatting 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 it was, uh, <laughs> it was awesome at the time I mean that was like the best thing ever to be yeah, and, and then you made it uh, the physical uh, reality. Like you went out to meet people yep. and live in different countries. So what was after Ireland? I so I was, I was thinking about somewhere. I wanted to go somewhere cheaper, and I, some people had suggested Morocco, Spain, and 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 I guess I was talking to someone at a hostel about it, and someone behind me heard and said, "Oh, you should go to Thailand. Thailand's like really cheap and really nice, and it's just a really nice little nice place." In early two thousands, right? 2003 mm-hmm. and uh, I was like Thailand I didn't even know where Thailand was but I was like that sounds good <laughs> so I bought a ticket to Thailand I didn't know where it was 
and then I and I flew there. I think I went back to the states for a few days, and then I flew to, straight to Thailand. I got robbed at the hostel. Where? In, in uh, Dublin. Uh-huh. Like while I was sleeping, someone rifled through my stuff and took my passport and my, all my my wallet and everything. I went back to the states, basically, been kind of to see a girl that I <laughs> was missing, but also to kind of replace my license and ID and get a new ATM card and that kind of stuff, and get a new and I got a temporary passport. You had to go to an embassy or consulate. Oh, I, oh, actually, I had to get the, the temporary passport I got in Dublin. And then I went back to the UK for a minute, and then I flew back to the US for like, I think literally four days. Or did something it like that. stress you out? Like, did it dissuade you from. Uh, no, no, I was already further, I know? was already on a mission. Okay. None of that. I mean, I was annoyed, but. I, yeah, I it's was, a good experience to have early on. Yeah. <laughs> it, I was surprised how little that, that, like, uh, the, the consulate was. They don't help you at all. Mm. It was it was actually pretty surprising. I, I figured it would be different, but I guess in retrospect, it must happen to, to people staying at hostels all the time. So like they're used to. Oh, I see. So they were not very sympathetic. No, they, don't <laughs> they don't care. They're like, all right, we'll make you a new passport. We just need like eighty five euros and some passport pictures. And I was just like, I don't have any money or cards or anything. So I was like, how do I pay for that? They're like, isn't there someone you can call? And I was like, not really. I couldn't ask my family for money, so I—I I mean, I ended up getting, asking a friend in in Ireland, and they—they they let me some money. Hmm. Okay, you're back to the states. You immediately. Yeah, just four days, and then I went to Thailand, and I—I I, I was in Bangkok maybe two nights, maybe, or maybe the second night. Like, I got ripped off at the airport, sent to some place in the middle of nowhere, paid like—I mean, I'm not ripped off. I paid like thirty bucks for a room that was probably worth fifteen or something. So at that time, no internet. Uh, easily available. You had to go to internet cafes back yeah. then. So yeah, when you land, you you don't know anything. You don't have any information. Uh, you had the mercy of the people who were there to right. sort of greet you. Right, and then, you know that's back in the day. They'd have all those people at the airport who would kind of they're they're ready for you. They have a look. Oh, look at this place. It's only twenty five dollars, something uh, like that. So I went and stayed at this place for a night, mm-hmm. and then I made it to Kaosan Road the next day, and I met someone who was just like, "Oh, you should go to Chiang Mai." I was like, Chiang Mai, all right, what's that? And so I got on a bus. I think I got on a bus that night, and I wow. went to Chiang Mai. So just because totally someone mentioned random. it. Yeah. I was, yeah. And Bangkok was, was not for you. You, you made up your mind. Uh, it was okay. I just, it was big city. I didn't know what was going on. And mm-hmm. I, I was very open to suggestions, so I would try anything. So someone said, check out Chiang Mai. So I got on a bus that night, and I arrived at Chiang Mai. They got dropped off at the moat at like 6 in the morning. That was it. I just roamed around until I found a guest house, and then I... That was sort of the beginning of my Chiang Mai life, 2000, like, I believe it was March 2003. Way before a lot of people knew about Chiang Mai and the scene. Nobody knew about Chiang Mai. There was no scene. Right? Uh, no, there was, you know, there was like hippie backpacker types and the old complainy foreigners. That was most of the, the Westerners back, back then. I mean, a few exceptions, but those are most of the people that I encountered. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're in Chiang Mai right now, and uh, I know Chiang Mai as a as a hub, as a right. sort of a digital nomad place, blah blah blah. Uh, a lot of things I learned about this lifestyle were uh, from people who spent time here okay. uh, and sort of created a, a model. I mean, it's, I don't know. Uh, Chiang Mai is is an ever evolving place, but by now I think it's established that this is the this is the population as lo- locals. Uh, and, and there's a bunch of us, uh, and, Loud, yeah. and everyone is sort of okay with that. It seems like. Uh, it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say Chiang Mai is probably the. the I mean, I've, I haven't been everywhere in the world, but I've been to a lot of places, like at least like 60 countries. And I would say Chiang Mai is the easiest place I've ever been in my life by far. 
as far as anything you need to do. Okay, like the visa can be a little bit of a pain, but you can just come in here. Well, that's, that's about the country, not about the cities. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, Thailand's just easy. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's like, if you were worried about going to Asia, just go to Thailand first. Everything's, it's, it's so easy to do everything you want here. The food's really good, the people are really nice, and, and just getting around just, and yeah, doing anything, really anything is easy. Yeah, even if you don't think you like uh, this type of culture or whatever, or Asia, blah, 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 there's really nothing to dislike when, when you, when no you get here. There's no good reason, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's okay, it's, it's hot. <laughs> but that, mm, but it's yeah. like, you get used to it. It's, you walk a little slower, you don't, you, don't, you're, you don't spend as much time in the sun. Yeah, I think we're both by this time, uh, by now, have made up our minds about the cold, right? Better be in the heat, you know, than, than in the. It is most of the year. I mean, icy it's, cold. it's nice to go do stuff in, in winter sometimes, but but not endure it for for months. But not to suffer through it, like de-icing your car every morning. And I remember doing that back. In I had a work trip uh, in January from Thailand to New York mm-hmm. for eight days. Uh, <laughs> it was traumatizing for me because I immediately uh, caught a cold. I I was. Yeah, and I noticed the, the uh, subway system, how inefficient it is and, right. and how horrible uh, in during rush hour then when there's only like one or two stalls they, through which you can pass, only one machine that sells um, you know, tickets and all this stuff, and it's very congested. I'm thinking, Bangkok is actually a lot more organized. Like, the, the subway, the, the uh, metro system there is actually a lot more modern. <laughs> yeah, like they didn't have the SkyTrain when I first got here. Right, right, right. So like you had to... And obviously there was no anything resembling rideshare, so you had to uh, take taxis or buses. And the buses were so cheap, but it was always still really confusing. Are. Yeah, seven baht or something. Or mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you'd have to take taxis everywhere and deal with getting guys trying to rip you off all the time. I mean, that still exists, obviously, to some extent, but it's maybe not as rampant as it used to be. So you ended up in Chiang Mai mm-hmm. with no plan? No plan, enough money to probably survive for a year or two. And I don't know. I just found a guest house, and I. What's the budget? Uh, what was the budget? I was spending. So it was forty-two baht to the dollar when I got here. Okay. But I, because I was in the UK before, I had a, a bit of pounds left, and the pound was like seventy-five to the dollar or something, like something. So mm-hmm. I was probably spending about a hundred bucks a week at most, including accommodation. Mm. And I was just living out of like hostels and guest houses and stuff. A week. Yeah, oh, and that was because nice. I was drinking a lot. Yeah, because <laughs> well, it wasn't food. Because back then things got a little bit more expensive, but not by much. Oh right? no, they've gotten a lot more expensive. Yeah. Oh, I see. Uh, back then, like the, the, the red cars, the songtails were ten baht to go anywhere, and let's see. Compared to up to two hundred today. Well, thirty now is the base, and yeah, if you're going to the airport or somewhere far, they'll try to get at least a hundred. Yeah, a hundred. Okay, so it went up. And uh, food, like food court food, was twenty five to thirty baht. And like there was like government set prices, like food courts were not allowed to raise above certain prices. Oh, like that's that. always something that was mandated because if if it got too expensive, if, you know, people that don't make a lot of money would you know go crazy and complain. So, ah, so the government would like regulate that. I mean, I imagine they still do, but now it's it's not like those days. But I used to eat most meals for about a dollar back then. So food L- was less really. Was this change with forty two? Right, right. Yeah. Well, it changed pretty soon. Like the, I think. Uh-huh. By the end of that first year, it wasn't in the 40s anymore. It dropped. It gradually dropped into the 30s. Mm-hmm. And then some kind of plan materialized. Uh, well, so I started to fumble around trying to learn Thai from the beginning. So I had bought a phrase book like the, before I got it, went, before I went to the airport, like the day I went to the airport when I was flying to Thailand. And so I was kind of 
just looking this I think it was Lonely Planet for his book and some like Living Language they were you know they're both pretty terrible and, mm. but at the time I didn't know anything about that stuff so like uh, I'm just looking in the book English and like, spelling yeah English spelling and then I just go up and pretend like I knew what I was doing and try to talk to people and they wouldn't understand but I mean I eventually you know people in, that are used to foreigners speaking busted Thai would and you know so I would gradually learn stuff from that I want to highlight here that Brett is fluent in, in Thai. I, I played his uh, video to my uh, Thai teacher. Uh, she, uh, she said, oh yeah, I've heard about him uh, when, I, when I mentioned you. And, and, and I said, can you find me a video where he actually speaks? Because I, I, I cannot find it. I'm like, I don't know. You, you don't know how to Google. Right. You know, two minutes later, I sent her a video of you. Which one was it? It was an comp- old computer in the background. Oh, yeah, that was probably... And, and some, and some Thai woman is asking you questions. Yeah, the girlfriend at the time was girlfriend. interviewing me. I'm interviewing you, yes. And, and then uh, she, my teacher sends me a message. Like, He's really good. <laughs> yeah, but the, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we're talking uh, with. Uh, that was about three years after I got here, probably. Because mm. you were really submerged. Like you, like were in the environment uh, of Thai speaking. Uh, I mean, I did. I, I, I kind of didn't like the vibe for most of the foreigners that I met, so I... I Is it still the case, or...? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I keep to myself sometimes, but I, you know, I I can only handle so much of co-working spaces and, like, mega events with, like, hundreds of foreigners and stuff. I mean, I do C- go to... Crypto them. pool parties. Oh, I missed the last one. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... It was just, like, you know, the older guys would just sit at bars and complain, and then the backpacker type people who were just passing through real quick would just it was always the same conversation and it was just didn't feel very fulfilling and I just felt like I was just saying the same stuff over and over again so I mean yeah I wasn't an asshole or anything but I, I, I wanted to kind of integrate more with Thai people and kind of figure out how things work and also I'm vegan so like I was very motivated in the beginning like how can I make sure that I'm eating I'm not eating any animals at that time when it wasn't even trendy like it is now oh know, yeah there was none of those things around then it was, uh, I had to learn about oyster sauce and fish sauce and all that stuff pretty quickly. And then you also have to learn that sometimes people lie. <laughs> but, but I did a pretty good job and I was always scared to eat stuff in the beginning until I kind of got the feel of, the feel of things. People lie, okay. Uh, talk more about this. <laughs> <laughs> not always, but I mean, people be like, oh yeah, it's fine, but it's not fine. <laughs> like that it's cooked in oyster sauce I can't eat that oh I see that uh, kind of stuff. I guess you, you're, you're referring to the sort of maybe Southeast Asia as a whole especially Thailand people will just nod or say okay uh, when yeah like, no problem yeah, well uh, I mean they, sometimes they'll be way more verbal than that to give you the impression that you know every, you're going to get everything you ask for and then you know you didn't they didn't even come close <laughs> they did, or like you know they didn't get it in the first place or they didn't care, or they forgot. You know, you never really know for sure. It's not usually. I don't think it's malicious. It's just so, like when it's being made, they're like, ah, he won't even notice. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it, it, it goes further. You know, like, it's a very, it's a cultural thing. When something is not fixed, repaired, and, and the landlord is uh, it essentially owes it to you to to have something fixed, they'll just say, yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, you're better off fixing it, yourself yeah. if you're going to be there. And, and, and they, they don't. They just yeah. don't. <laughs> you have to ask them many, many times, and then they don't want to pay for it. I mean, not everyone's been like that, but I would say the vast majority of my experiences... And they won't explain of, what's really going on through their head. They'll just say, okay, okay, tomorrow, yes, right. okay, fine. It was, my, it was my experience, especially when I went to Kopangan. Right, right. <laughs> so in Thai, there's... When, you know, they have the... 
if anyone's been to Thailand, like like the, the kind of gender particles that are, that are used for politeness. So you can respond with those particles. And it's, it's really just acknowledging that you're listening to the person who's talking. Cup for man. Right. Ha, for, for, for gross. Mm, but mm. so it, it's, you're really just acknowledging that you're listening. But a lot of times it feels like they're saying, yep, 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 okay, yes. Uh -huh. But that's not what really necessarily would. I mean, it could mean it's that. It's more like, but mm -hmm. it, it's, yeah, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of Asian languages actually have a requirement. Because of the, the more defined social kind of differences between people, you have to acknowledge people, especially if someone's like a higher status than you. You have to keep acknowledging that you're paying attention to them. This happens a lot in like Korean and Japanese and stuff too. It's kind of interesting, but it, it can be really mm. annoying when you're first starting to learn a language because mm. you don't understand why. There's a lot more to why learn. someone's like uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh, every like three words you say. <laughs> oh, it's, it's part of their culture too. To, yeah. to show that uh, you got to show you're paying attention mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to the to the, the big people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I guess uh, you started absorbing that as well. Because like, I feel like I'm, I'm doing this after living in Thailand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, know, you like, pick it up on it pretty quick. Mm -hmm, you start making more. Uh, Sort of deep sounds that, that, that come out when you acknowledge him. Right. Okay. Uh, you then, I've, you told me you went to school. Uh, All right. So and, and towards the, well, actually, I guess, I guess if we're still talking about the first year, I, I got a job teaching English. Actually, this is a quick, really good story. Yeah. Okay. I like good stories. I, uh, this one restaurant that I was going to a lot, I'd go there and I'd bring my little Thai phrase book and I'd try to write out the letters and stuff and the, the server girls would always come over like, oh, what are you learning Thai? And, like, so that always, and then they'd say something to me in Thai and I'd understand. But, you know, once, but that's also how I learned because they'd say it to me again every time and then eventually I'd figure out what the hell was they were asking me. And then later I learned how to answer it and eventually how to actually ask it myself. But, mm -hmm. you know, this was all part of a, a you know, process. But I remember one day this girl was like, what are you doing anyway? I'm like, I'm just hanging out, studying Thai. And they're like, do you want to like teach English? And I was like, I guess. And they're like, oh, my school needs an English teacher. And she was uh, she was studying at a, like a university here. Well, it was more of like a, a college. Mm -hmm. And so I went there the next day. She, I guess she called whoever works in the office and said, oh, I got this guy going to come in. And I went in there, and I printed out, like, a resume. I had to, like, figure out how to, like, print out a resume. And right? it was a pretty stressful day to deal with that stuff. <laughs> no, and no, then, no printers. And I went in and said hi to this girl, and she's like, she handed my resume. And the first question she asked me was, have you ever taught English before? And I was like, nope. And she's like, can you start tomorrow? <laughs> and that was it. And that was my first no job. No led to you hired. That was the second question. <laughs> yeah. Can you start tomorrow? Yeah. Sure, okay. Yeah. You're hired. That was that was my first job, and I was teaching business English at a university, basically. Business English University, wow. With zero knowledge of what was to come. So that was the beginning of... Did you just wing it? Pull it off? Well, they had a book, so I kind of just followed the book, and they had ah. some terrible tapes and stuff. I mean, the beginning, yeah, I just followed what the book, the book was, which wasn't good, but I, I didn't know what else to do at the time. But they were content with having an ex language expert because you were a native speaker. Well, yeah, they just want a native speaker and, and you know, a handsome face. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I did that for a little while, and then uh, I started studying Japanese on the weekends just to have something to do at like the YMCA here. Mm. And so that was like six hours or four hours a week, and then I saw, so I would teach in the mornings at this university on Saturday, Sunday, and then I'd go to this Japanese class, just trying to just trying to fill my day with activities and stuff. So I'm not just drinking all the time. And but at that time, no formal uh, learning of Thai. No, no, no. Just restaurants and friends and... Yeah, I was just doing it by myself because I didn't... I don't know. I didn't, didn't, really, didn't really... It wasn't on my radar yet. Mm -hmm. And then maybe six months in, I, I 
they used to, I don't know if they still have the site, but there's a site called adan.com. Adan means teacher in Thai, and so that was like a, the kind of the site where you would find English teaching What's jobs. What's the word again? Adan. Adan. Yeah. It's not, uh, Kru is... Kru is another word for teacher. Kru okay. is, is from guru that you may know. Uh, That's okay. the same root. Okay. 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 Um, so... So the website? Yeah, so like I, I think I, I saw some job or maybe someone, I can't remember if I applied or if someone just messaged me. I put like my profile in there. I ended up getting a job in Pizza Nalok, which is uh, about an hour from Sukhothai. It's about halfway between here and Bangkok. Mm. And I ended up teaching like first graders there for uh, one semester. So for about five months, I I would bus back and forth from that city. I'd come to Chiang Mai for the weekends to do this part-time job and study Japanese and hang out and then I Monday morning I would go back down mm. to the other city and stay there and then Friday I'd come back and I did that and then every 28 days I'd do a visa run to Burma 28 days at that time yeah mm. it was awful <laughs> it was, Just, I was, because each way on that bus is six and a half hours and the first bus that would leave after because I teach three hours in the morning on Friday and then I get on the bus and the first bus was a fan bus and I as and, opposed to AC okay, yeah mm-hmm. so I would you know I was the stinky white guy on the bus all the time because I had my big backpack and then I'd go back to Chiang Mai and I'd <laughs> find some place to crash for the weekend and then hang out and do my stuff it was I mean there were good it was good and bad yeah yeah but it was some but it was, uh, that, that bus ride was took, took a toll on my on my you know mental state of mind <laughs> yeah because yeah. it, was, it was tough but still you were happy with your choice of uh, moving I mean, there was no. I mean, there, I mean, I was. There was no going back to the U.S. or anything at that point. Or anywhere. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I think I, I had kind of got my eye on Japan. Like, I kind of like Japan sounded kind of interesting. I just wasn't sure if I could afford to like live there. So at that time, you haven't you haven't been there yet. Not to now, no. So, one thing I discovered moving into this other city is that my Thai was not as good as I thought it was, because I was used to hanging out with people who spoke nothing. So I was like the translator all the time. Mm. Or when someone needs to buy something, or I'd meet people, and they're like, oh, my, well, my, my wife wants to buy souvenirs, can you help? And so I'd go, and I'd be like, I think I know what I'm doing. You were impressive to the people who didn't well, any time. Right, so yeah. someone doesn't know anything, that's, yeah. they're amazed. But when I moved to another city, I discovered that I had a lot of trouble understanding people, and and, it, and, and they didn't understand me a lot of the time. And I was like, what's wrong? First, I was, I was thinking, what's wrong with all these people? <laughs> <laughs> but... Eventually, I, it occurred to me that maybe I was the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Dialect? Uh, well, no, it was pron- it was my pronunciation. Your pronunciation, okay. You know, I, I was living in Chiang Mai, where people are used to people speaking Thai with like totally, you know, totally Variety. incorrect Accents. pronunciation. Mm-hmm. You know, they you know they get used to people saying things wrong in a variety of ways, and so they can figure it out. But when you go away from the city, or if you go to a place where there's like in that time, I there, I only saw like two or three other foreigners in that city. So they weren't. Mm. I don't think they were exposed much to to bad tie, really. Mm-hmm. They only they were only adjusted, sort of uh, exposed to one type of tie, whatever the local ones, or maybe the TV. Well, bang, just bang, bang, real tie, yeah, real <laughs> not tie, like yeah. the the garbage that a lot of people speak and then claim that they're speaking tie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would sit in the back of the, the the first graders class when they were learning their their tie lessons to try to like kind of sneak figure what's going on and I kind of got more comfortable with the script but I still didn't get the sound system there were still things I didn't understand how the tones worked at all and I you know anytime oh. I'd ask the tie teachers that I worked with questions the answer was always like you know they couldn't answer they couldn't explain anything I mean they I don't know I mean they couldn't explain it in English for sure so there was a lot of guesswork that I was doing mm. and then towards the end of that first year I went back to Chiang Mai and I ended up enrolling in a university here and I just figured 
I would do that to get a visa to be here so I could stop the visa runs. And so I'd have a schedule. I figured I'd do it part-time or whatever and meet some people. Yeah. And so I went to university, and pretty early on in that first semester is when I kind of sat down and learned how to learn the sound system of Thai like, properly. And it took me maybe about six weeks. Once I, once I found a resource that explained everything, I found this really old book from the 50s that was written by, I think, some British diplomat or something mm-hmm. who... Uh, you know, the book was basically teaching other like diplomats tables. how to talk to their yeah. to their their help. Uh, yes. <laughs> it was it was kind of like that, but it also broke apart the language into pieces and, and kind of explained the sound system and how the tones worked and all these things that I had never knew anything about previously. Uh-huh. And then I, so I just sat and I studied it. If, you know, anytime I had free time for about six weeks until it clicked. And once it clicked, it was like the door swung open. I realized all this, all these sounds that I'd been mixing up were totally different, and I understood why, and I, and I realized what things I'd been saying wrong, and I was able to self-correct everything very quickly. And then, and then it was easy to progress at that point. Uh-huh. Wow. This all after reading that book. Uh, well, I wasn't just reading it. Like I had to, I had to really put it to practice. I did. I had to learn that stuff and then practice it every day for a long time before I before I really mastered it. And once it became automatic, it was easy. Uh, so for people who are thinking about it, about learning language Thai or some something from right. the from the group, or uh, they started and feel like it's hard, definitely alien and hard, <laughs> you know, like what's the progression? What 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 should people should expect to happen if they keep at it? I, th- I think what most people try to do is try to learn some basic phrases and stuff in the beginning and use them. And okay, if you're going there immediately, and it's it's not terrible, but you're going to be saying everything really wrong. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times you have no grasp on some of the, the, the weird vowels and, and, and or like sounds between like ka and ga and pa and ba and they have all these sounds in Thai and a lot of other tonal languages that don't exist in English or they're not differentiated between. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard for people to know that there's only uh, okay like in Thai vowels every 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 word has a one particular vowel sound and it's not you can't change it. Whereas in English. Uh, you can go all around the world and meet different people speaking English saying the same word with a different vowel pronunciation and we all understand each other mm-hmm. but Thai doesn't work like this at all there's a lot more vowels but each 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 one is only one sound so that means it's intimidating in the beginning but so once there you are no, no duplicate uh, vowels well there's no variation in no. the vowels uh-huh. so if like coffee in Thai is cafe and it's like an ah vowel and an ah whereas mm-hmm. a lot of other languages have more like cafe or or, or Or coffee, uh, uh, yeah. Within the states, you know, there's right, several, right. There's variation yeah. there, but in Thai, there's not. You go anywhere in Thailand, and they're gonna say "gafe," mm-hmm. and that's it. So if you're not saying "gafe," you're saying it wrong. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. only if you're shortening a part of it or something, or you say right. "coffee." Or, yeah. For the most part, the the 60 whatever million people in Thailand are, are uh, you know, are, are gonna be using the same vowel sound. Mm-hmm. So if you're not saying that vowel sound. It's really hard to understand, and then if on top of that you're 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 not you're ignoring the fact that it's a tonal language, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. like it becomes very hard. I mean, even I have trouble understanding when people. So are in the beginning, to... when you were actually already learning in, uh, on the streets and, and using it, you had zero idea. No one mentioned any tones to you as a concept. No, I knew I knew that there was I knew it was a tonal language, but I didn't really understand uh-huh. how that was determined. Like mm. I didn't know how to know why a word was a particular tone. And then there was a, then you know when I okay I realized there's tone marks and I thought that that was kind of telling you everything you needed to know but it, it's more complicated than that. I see, I see. Uh-huh. And then so uh, in, in, at the university you had a degree you were working on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, 
I, I mean, I did one full semester, and then I was like, this is kind of silly. So I, I just took, I would take, like, the minimum amount of classes I could take to be enrolled, which was uh-huh. three. And then I would kind of work it. So I would only choose classes based on what I wanted to study. Uh-huh. And, you know, I would make sure I was only going to the university two days a week because it was kind of far from the city where I was living. And uh, so I, yeah, so that would give me the visa. It gave me th- and three classes to study two days a week. So I had some homework, and I was like, and now it's like I have a fake schedule. I meet people. And it worked out pretty well. It took, you know. Did you get a degree of some sort? I did get a degree in English. In English, in, okay. In Chiang Mai. In English. So, and my English has probably improved dramatically since then. <laughs> Hopefully. No, I mean, I, I didn't, when I went there, I didn't really want to major. I didn't care about degrees or any of that stuff. I just wanted to take some classes mainly in languages. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, like, learn Chinese and Japanese and anything that they had, basically. Okay. So that led you to becoming a a uh, proficient speaker of, of Thai and then a t- teacher. Uh, well, I mean, it was... It, I mean, it made it easier for me to stay here, for one thing. And I met people and I met, I met people that were studying, you know, university, and some of them were really smart, and I could ask them questions that you, you can't ask the bar staff sometimes because yeah. they don't know how to tell you this. So it, it did help me kind of progress in okay. terms of my Thai. You know, in the beginning, also, like, moving in with these people who speak English really well, I, you know, again, I had I reached this, you know, I was at this point where maybe my Thai's not as good as I thought it was. Uh, that seemed to be, like, a reoccurring fifth theme. <laughs> mm-hmm. Were you making a living somehow? Like, did, uh, were there, I mean, like, I still had some points? savings, <laughs> and I had... I mean, I still had some savings, and I and I still taught English on the side. You, you know, you never made much money back then. You could get, like, 300 baht an hour for a lot of jobs. Like, And then, as my Thai got better, I started doing, taking translation gigs. So, and then those never paid very well either, usually. Mm. I'd sign up with all, a lot of the translation sites online as, as that became more of a thing. And uh, my Japanese got kind of better, so I was doing Japanese translation too sometimes. And, so what languages do you speak now? Uh, I mean, I kind of speak Japanese, Chinese, and Korean. And Thai is more fluent than all them. And mm-hmm. then I've been kind of messing around with Vietnamese the past year, but I'm not like great. I'm not great at anything anymore, uh, but I can kind of speak. They help still. each other, like learning them help. Uh, like one language supports another in some way, or I mean, I think if you understand the sound system of one language, you can kind of appreciate how important it is in another language. So that's that helps, okay. and also okay. having some sort of plan to how to go about getting better at, at any skill, but especially language. Having done it before, mm-hmm. it's certainly easier to do it again. Mm-hmm. It's not, a, and then, you know, if the languages are related, that may give you a lot of free words. And stuff like that, like yeah. So uh, some borrowed mean, words between languages. It's it doesn't mean like like learning Thai and Chinese are you know pretty pretty different languages, but they're both tonal, so it's it's not it's not a huge jump. And Vietnamese, like a lot of the vowel sounds are, I can see how they're they're you know maybe distantly related to Thai in some ways. Like mm-hmm. they have some of those like two vowels connected together, like yeah and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Vietnamese sort of has a, a slight variation on them. So you've lived in. Uh, Chiang Mai non-stop for, for a few years. Well, I did about six months where I was, you know, in that other city. Oh, yeah, but then you came back but to Chiang Mai. Yeah, I would always come back to Chiang Mai. And then, so that was like, what, 10 years or something? Uh, uh, yeah, well, I graduated 2009. Uh-huh. Uh, 2005, I was an exchange student from my Thai university to to Australia. <laughs> oh, wow, so you were a Thai student in I Australia. I was a white guy from Thailand. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what everyone called me. Because it's kind of true. It's kind of weird to be like an exchange student from Thailand. But everyone knew that your backstory, like you came from Thailand? Yeah, they're like, you, they're like yeah, because everyone always asks when you're an exchange student, like, oh, where you come from? Like, Thailand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so, 
it was fun. I, I spent six months in Melbourne. Uh, it, so eventually, you stopped being a, a sort of permanent resident of Chiang Mai. Uh, so you right. Started, you like after going. I graduated, you know, the, the visa dies, and I went on like a like a fake language school visa for a little while. Mm -hmm. That was kind of a normal thing. So I was at the time I was actually just teaching online. I guess I don't know if I was teaching online yet, but I was teaching people in person of Thai at this point. Maybe about two thousand two thousand six ish. Maybe I started teaching Thai to some friends. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of that kind of exploded after over a couple of years, where I started making more money from that than teaching English. And so I just kind of I scaled back on the English teaching and, and translation jobs that would only take like bigger ones. I would think that people uh, would prefer to learn a language from native speakers. Oftentimes, like yeah. what are the benefits of learning from a non-native speaker like yourself? Well, they're going to definitely need a native speaker very soon. But the advantages of having someone that's as a native speaker of your language is that I can explain all the things that native speakers can't. I know how to explain how to pronounce a sound that you've never said before or you don't know how to make, whereas nobody can do that in their own language most of the time it's because true. you don't it's know true. what's happening inside your mouth. Yeah. But I had to learn how to do it to say it correctly so I can explain it to someone. So things like that, yes. I can save them enormous amounts of time. Uh -huh. But yeah, of course, they're going to still need to practice with native speakers. As an added bonus, probably you can explain cultural stuff. Right. Which I think is very important in Thailand. It's huge. So, uh, mastering a language opens a lot of doors, and so you become more integrated in society. But even, even just even just learning how to say a few things correctly, and not the not just translating from English, like learning a few words and translating from English. Whereas in Thai culture. If you're on some sort of acquaintance level with someone, like you don't say like the standard like Saudi Khab. I mean, you can, but mm -hmm. it's kind of it's a little bit stiff and formal. You're more likely mm -hmm. to ask them where they're going, where they're coming from, or if they've eaten yet. Mm -hmm. That's like a standard greeting. If they, if, they, if they have eaten rice specifically. Well, I mean, it just <laughs> yeah, means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they use rice interchangeable for food, so uh -huh. they're really just they're saying, "Have you eaten yet?" Yeah, kind of like bread in the English language. Breadwinner, you know. Right, right. Or, or it's, you know, there's the, you know, the staple. The but I mean, you don't have to be like, well, I had noodles. Like, it's okay. You don't, like, when someone asks you if you've eaten, you just say, I have or I haven't. Or you can even right. ignore it, really. In a lot of cases, because it really doesn't mean, they don't really care if you've eaten or not. I mean, they care. They're showing concern that you have, but it's more about, hey, how's it going? Uh-huh. And yes, you know, you can just say, I ate already and keep going. Or you can stop and talk to them. You know? yeah, but yeah. like, you know, your security guards, it's, or... If there's a salon below your building and they say hi to you all the time, that kind of stuff, they're they're just gonna. That's kind of how they say, well, "How are you doing?" In my experience, since I'm uh, kind of actively learning uh, Thai, uh, they like over time I noticed the difference. Like at Seven Eleven or uh, the service place, whatever a restaurant, they will support me with my Thai effort. Uh, and I, I think some for two different reasons sometimes they just don't speak English so they're happy that I, I can actually uh, carry oh, yeah. on with, with Thai and they don't have to uh, stress themselves out right. uh, with their incorrect English and sometimes it's because they appreciate my effort they want to support me and they don't switch to English for me just so that they can see how far I can go because it's fun for them right yeah but other times they insist on switching to English because they, they don't believe me. They think I just memorize things. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'd say for the most part, Thai people are very supportive of this. But but they're also they'll shower you with praise before you have you as soon as you open your, as soon as you open your mouth, you're, they're going to tell you. How great you are. They're like, wow. <laughs> which is 
which is great in the be- in the beginning, but people tend to get a big head from that because everyone's telling them how. I mean, I went through this, and and everyone, every one of my students over the years was like, I don't understand. Everyone tells me I'm great. I'm like, yeah, but. <laughs> Are you really great? Yeah. You're not. Yeah. You're still saying a lot of things wrong, and like there's there's a lot of room for improvement, but they're not going to tell you. Yeah. So with your level of mastery, you, you become integrated in a society where you can even like start starting from the you know immigration checkpoint. You can have a little chit chat, a couple crack a couple of jokes already. Like boom, you like. This is my home. This is my country. Yeah. And everywhere you go, uh, people are—they they don't know you're amazed that you can actually have a conversation with them, and, and they like really enjoy it, and you enjoy it. It's a lot of good vibes, a lot of good, positive things come it's out of it. A lot of fun and, adventures have come from it. Yeah, but have you found any like any, negative hit any walls like in, in in that integration? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been many relationships, not just like like girls, but like mm-hmm. just friendships over the years that. Uh, the, like, the like interactions in certain situations were very different than than I was used to, and like friends from like back in the states and stuff. And like the, that. In terms of like, you should have worked in, in how theory. reliable people are about certain things, mm. and I mean, you know, it, there's different cultural expectations, and I and I feel like in Thailand you have this sort of there's a lot of circles of friendship that I guess exists on some level everywhere, where you have like your work friends and you have your university friends and stuff, and. And you know, whenever I would come into these groups, I'm always, I always felt, I often felt like I was maybe an outer layer, an outer circle to these people. Like I was never really mm-hmm. one of them, but but they were very accepting of me. Mm-hmm. So there's several circles, like a layers of skin, like right. an onion. So I you got like a little I bit deeper. On, I felt like I was, I could never get all the way in. Uh, <laughs> and mm, simply because, I mean, I mean, not to say that I haven't had good friends over the years. It's just I felt like in a lot of situations, that's kind of what happened. It's like I would have, they became like friends, but nah, I wasn't. I never felt like I was part of the, these inner circles. I think it's a common common theme that I keep hearing about uh, difficulties to maintain uh, meaningful friendships with the locals in Thailand. Uh, I, I don't know about other places, but specifically, I hear about Thailand that that not being people have. Actually, as a matter of fact, a lot of people have. Uh, Acquaintances or friends that are female much easier than the males was what I is what I heard. Um, uh, I mean, it depends on what what they're doing. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that that it's a lot easier to to, to be female friends. But there, you can make friends with guys too. You just have to go with. You have to be doing things that that they're gonna do. It really depends on how. I mean, I guess I had you know there was guys that I worked with or uh, people I went to school with. So, I mean, I made friends that were tired that way. Uh, and, and you had like, to... if you're just going to bars or you're going out and trying to talk to girls all the time, you're going to meet a lot of girls. <laughs> yeah, but I think they, what they were they meant was, uh, you know, like coffee shops and you okay. know, uh, business owners that are female. You know, they, they were uh, a lot more sort of like maintaining that that warm relationship, like willing to 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 keep it going. All right, uh, something like that. But maybe. Subjective. Yeah, I guess it depends. I mean, I mean, I, I, maybe it's easier on some level for that. I'm not really sure. In, in uh, choosing Thailand as a permanent place to live uh, comes with a bit of a stigma outside. Right? So if, if people like 
evaluated your life decisions. They say, ah, Thailand. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, well, you, you're just this kind of guy. I know? think there's still people in America who think like we're living in a jungle or something. Uh, Whereas like the malls here, the malls here are like 50 times better than everything in the States. And like, you know, this, the States almost feels like the Stone Age outside of, you know, a few major cities compared yeah. to what, what you see in like Bangkok or something. That's true. Like you can watch a movie in America compared to like watching a movie in Thailand. It's... Thailand's, you know, five times as comfortable, and you know, maybe a quarter of the price. Yeah, and and the the, the myth uh, keeps on going about how awesome uh, life is in the states based on Hollywood movies. When people in Thailand <laughs> eat them, eat this stuff up, they want to copy it. They want to yeah. have the same. And then they, thing. they go there, and then they have to work at a restaurant for like twelve hours South a Carolina. day for like no money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> or or Arkansas or something like that. Yeah, yeah there's a Thai restaurant everywhere. Yeah, it's not right. what they thought. No, no, no. Um, yeah, so. Your, your website, uh, so the teaching gig became sort of a stepping stone to uh, an online business. Now you have courses. Right. Uh, yeah, I sell a bunch of online courses for teaching people to go from like zero to, I can kind of speak Thai and I can pronounce diff pretty well. I just uh, put in my email and did the first uh, introduction. Uh, oh, the free lesson? <laughs> the, the free lesson, okay. yeah. Where you uh, offer to memorize English words that are, my guess was that they are translations of yes. what that word is in Thai. They're, they're the names of the letters translated into English. So the idea is to let you sort of learn to recognize a few letters in Thai by connecting it to an English keyword, which later you'll just be able to train, you know, when you learn the Thai word, you can just switch over. Would the easiest letter being uh, Goga, was it? Gokai. Gokai, yeah. yeah. Uh, where it actually looks it like, looks a, like a, bird. a head of a bird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, uh, for me, it's the easiest letter. Right. Because when I see it, I know it. Yeah. Uh, no so Gai is chicken. So it's just, you know, like... They use the sound of the letter plus an all vowel, so ga, guy, and then whatever the word is that is used as the name of the letter. Every letter has a kind of a nickname. Uh, well, it's 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 referred to that way. So it's almost it's similar to the radio alphabet, like alpha, beta, mm-hmm. uh, Charlie, like the military, like when they do that. So it's, it's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. So, but imagine English was like ball, bird, call, cat, dog, dog. Imagine like referring to letters that way. That's basically mm-hmm. what's happening in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So it's, it's a good introduction. And you make the connection with the English language. As right, because you're not going to be able to say these sounds if the first time you hear them. You're going to say them wrong. You're not going to understand what's happening. But So right now, in the, the first lesson is just like being able to identify, okay, this one's a chicken, this one's a turtle, this one's the, the fish. This one's basin, this one so is you can, basket. So you can already distinguish between them, even though you can't say them yet. And it just takes two or three minutes to, to go through that that little lesson to kind of get the idea and then the next thing you slowly got introduced to the sounds but you can start putting things together and adding vowels in before you can say it perfectly so I've just kind of structured it in a way so that people don't get overwhelmed because there's a lot of weird sounds and it's people get really frustrated when I taught over the years I would say probably eight out of ten people every eight out of ten people would have some sort of meltdown learning the sounds because they would get really stressed out that they they weren't getting something and it was never over the same thing it was but it's just they didn't understand that there's a difference between an ah and an ah and an ah and that they had to separate those in their mind mm-hmm. and the easiest way i believe to do that is to just learn the script <laughs> instead of trying to write an a and remember which of those sounds it is yeah so uh, my uh, thai teacher it gives me an what's called uh, IPA, which is a, yeah. a standard of writing with English letters. Some of them are... They're kind of modified. In modified, invented, da, 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 which really helps me. Um, I, I, I can at least 
we have this common sort of medium. I can do my homework using that, and and, right. and then can read from it, you know. Uh, but uh, I noticed with with her, sometimes she, she struggles to explain little things, and and I have to go deeper, uh, Google things myself, such as. Uh, maybe that's too nerdy for, for some people, but I, I think it's fascinating that uh, to say I, first person I in, in Thai language, there are many, many different ways, uh, depending on the social... I'll give you some advice mm-hmm. here. You don't have to say I 90% At all. of the time. Uh-huh. Like, so, like in Spanish. Kind of. yeah, you can admit if, you, if you say I don't like something, you just say don't like. Mm-hmm. That's it. You don't have to say I because... Yes, like there's a lot of pronouns, and then again, like status and age, all these factors into like what pronoun you're supposed to be using, and you're probably going to be wrong. So just you can just drop them in any any kind of reasonably informal conversation. You don't need to say I unless you have to specify. Like unless you have to specify, in which case you can just use your name to refer to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and and I that fascinates me. So I could me. say like Brett, my tall something, like mm-hmm. I uh, Brett, it won't which, sound which weird. means it doesn't sound weird at all. It? Which is me saying I don't like. Whatever. Brett doesn't like. Yeah. Which sounds like you, a, a, a mentally ill person in English. Yeah. It sounds weird in English. Well, it yeah. sounds a little bit conceited in English. <laughs> Brett doesn't do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brett doesn't like the pizza or whatever. You this know. person, yeah. <laughs> I like in Jamaican the dialect, they say I and I. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, so okay. like two, two eyes. I guess one is the god, uh, oh, Jai, right. and no, the other one is right. myself. Uh, I and I. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so where are you headed? Uh, what's 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 happening in life? Or... In life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've just been working a lot on growing the business lately, and waiting patiently for Bitcoin to recover. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, a year ago <laughs> that was kept me busy for a while. I, yeah. I got very distracted by cryptocurrency for over a year, and uh, it was fun. Yeah, I mean, a year ago here it was all about Bitcoin. Yeah, I was flying all over the world, going to conferences. I went on the the, oh, yeah, the, you went really the far. crypto cruise. Ah, and it all seemed like like you know, adequate stuff to do uh, at the time. You didn't feel like you were part of something slightly cultish and, and weird. Uh, no, no, of course. Mm. And then you know there was you'd go to these conferences and you meet a lot of charlatans. Like there's like, but I thought I got pretty good at telling, being able to tell the difference between people that were like really believing and working on something cool and the people who are just there trying to like hype up their 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 shit coin mm-hmm. you know apparently i was wrong a couple times <laughs> when you were completely uh, well, convinced people, that well hearing, hearing some people talk sometimes like what like they just these people seemed very smart and they, and they and with these, this sort of vision that they're painting what they were trying to build but i mean what eventually happened is you know for all the web projects that didn't sell off enough money they, they don't have any money anymore now so it's like you can't afford to hire all you know to keep paying all these teams that you've hired to build this cool idea of yours so what happens it's like they die the project dies off because they don't have any funds anymore I see it doesn't mean anything you know whatever they yeah. used yeah. it was fun while it lasted yeah <laughs> no, it, 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 and I still believe in like blockchain technology I think it's gonna it's gonna do some cool stuff but there's no way to be sure what, what's gonna happen in terms of the prices of everything and you think Thailand became very prominent in that because of the expats, because of the travelers? Yes, or, or somehow... because there's a lot of nomads and stuff that were interested in that scene, right? So, Not because Thailand is, is itself like a government or the, the entrepreneurs of Thailand are into it. No, no I mean, not to say that that doesn't exist. There is there is an entrepreneurial kind of culture in Thailand. Like The government is reasonably good about that stuff. Like, there are events, you know, some of these co-working spaces. Mm-hmm. They... Uh, 
they you know I, I did a I did like a startup competition a bunch of years ago here the global startup challenge that was like a cool. weekend yeah like a weekend startup. thing mm-hmm. mind. like that was fun yeah so uh, anything you miss about uh, the west or the states that you cannot get here I mean, I go back to the U.S. like twice a year. And, and I, what did you what did you notice that you th- you think to yourself, ah, I wish we had this in Thailand? Uh, no, <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, there's some really nice, really beautiful, you know, like parks and stuff in the U.S. And but no, there's. I mean, okay, I miss some friends and stuff, but no, I go no, so I go see yeah. them a couple a couple of times a year, so that's it. I, I don't. There's nothing that I miss from my life that I can't get in Asia so you think this uh, notion that you should be patriotic or you should uh, support your homeland or whatever no matter what or whatever you chose uh, to be it's really flimsy right now like it it, 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 it's necessary to keep the the states together the the governments uh, the, 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 the countries together but if everyone thought Oh, I don't have any attachment to any particular location. You know, I, if I like it there, I go there. Da, da. It's kind of like this already inside the states. People move from state to state all the time. It's right? not easy though, yeah. because if you change states, there's all these things you have to do. You eventually have to get a new driver's license. You know, there's all these, there's all these little steps you have to take, and then like taxes and there's a lot. There's, it's not, it's not just like you can just. I mean, you can you can just move, but there's a bunch of stuff you'll eventually have to deal with. Yeah. Whereas I don't have to deal with anything of that in my life, and I. I go. I move around at will, and I may set up somewhere for a month, or I may hang out for a week. I may just go on a short trip, and I just keep going. Mm-hmm. I live out of hotels and Airbnbs usually. It's pretty rare that I'll rent a place for a month, but but once in a while. Right now, what are you? Uh, I got a, I got an Airbnb for a month here this time, and then um, right before before here, I was in Vietnam for a couple of weeks, and I bounced. I stayed in a hotel for a few days, and then I got mm-hmm. an Airbnb for like. 10 days or something. Yeah, I agree. I feel like in the States, there's always this nagging feeling that you're maybe behind on something, like maybe they need to pay some bills or... That's because you usually are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you are. The vast majority, you know, the people in the US, I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm sure it's most, you know, they're always, they're, you know, they're in debt. Mm -hmm. People live above, well above their means. And, you know, there's always this feeling like you got to get a better car and a new couch and a bigger house. And I've just never had interested in any of that I want to see more stuff I want to learn more stuff I want to know how people think about things in other places because it's different than the way I thought about things my whole life yeah, yeah. Uh, I left New York I sold everything I put stuff in the in the storage there so, and, and I came back a, like a year later I downsized that storage even further so I threw away the bad and all this kind of stuff so right. so now I have just enough to, uh, to keep my most important thing like stuff boxes of documents and some stuff. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, sort of life circumstances for him were that he had to double down and invest into his life in, in New York. So he got a bigger apartment. Right. And if, if, when we talked, when we're talking, it's like uh, it's like, well, I don't want to be minimalist and live like a like a traveler in my permanent place. Mm. So might as well, you know, get get a duplex apartment and. Okay. And, and I'm thinking, like, I, I think I used to be able to understand <laughs> the this worldview a lot better. And now, it, I mean, like, I understand it and I respect the choices that people make, but it's completely not for me. Like, right. people ask me, like, well, you just have the backpack uh, and that's it? I'm like, yeah, I mean, what else do you need? <laughs> uh, 
I, I mean, I've been I've been living like that for years now, and it's yeah, it can be tiring sometimes, but it's great. I've it's, I've seen so much amazing things. I've been to so many places. What do you crave when you when you get a place for a month? Is your Airbnb like does it need to have a big TV so you can connect to like your computer and, and watch a movie on the bigger screen? No, no, no. I, I I mean I never watch TV unless I'm like have company. Mm. I, I don't even turn it on. I don't need a TV. Or I, if I watch something, it's it's on my computer, or my phone. Well, you can connect to a bigger TV. I could, uh, but I, I never have the cables and stuff. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I'm very I'm very minimalist. I don't want to carry anything that I don't need all the time. Yeah. So I. I mean, literally, I have generally at a time I have six T-shirts, and like basically six days of clothes. That's it. That's all mm. I travel with. And I have like a you know an exercise band, laptop, Nintendo Switch, and my phone. That's it. I don't need anything else. One pair of pants. I, I have jackets stashed around the world if I go somewhere cold. <laughs> and that's it. I don't. And then you know if something starts getting worn out, I just bought a new bag. It was very stressful. I have to choose that one bag because yeah. it has to be perfect. It's like, yeah. oh, I got to make sure it's not going to cause me pain because the thing will be on my back a lot, yeah. and it's got to hold my life, which isn't that much, but it still needs to be big enough, but not too big, because also it becomes like my day bag carrying around a computer, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this, is, this is the main. Bag. There is a lot of searching to find that bag. Yeah, we're looking at a medium-sized backpack here. Yeah. Uh, that's the, that's the main bag. Yeah, it's. I don't even think it's. It might be 25 liters. It might be less. It's oh, pretty small. I'm not. I'm not that. I wanted to get yet. smaller than last. My last bag because, you know, it, it forces you to make decisions about like I don't need eight t-shirts because I could just do laundry once every six or seven days and that's it. And I don't need to carry the extra stuff. I can always buy another shirt for nothing when I need it. Mm. So. Uh, I guess we can uh, get to the closing part and. Maybe any um, any advice, any parting words to the people who might be like kind of feeling like they may may want it, but they're not not quite sure that they should uh, you know, take off and and go somewhere. Uh, Nike, just do it. Ah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> it's the the greatest decision I ever made was to leave the U.S. And you think it, it will be the same. With I other mean, countries, uh, that uh, it depends on that. I, mean, I left I, Russia I'm, at some point. Uh, I mean, but. I think everywhere, probably everywhere in the world, has some value to someone, and and you may not like every place you go, but if you if you approach it like, if you go somewhere and you don't feel comfortable, go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's not like the whole world's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to find something that's going to you're going to love, and you may later figure out that some place you didn't like before, you know, it was because your perspective hadn't opened up yet. You won't know it, and you know because you, you, there is culture shock is a real thing, and like, uh, you know, I, I went to lunch with a, a couple of Thai people yesterday, and the one girl has never left the country, and we went to like one of these vegan kind of foreigner places, and she was eating something which was okay, and she was like, she looked like she was gonna throw up because it, not because it was bad, it was just so weird for her. Mm. It's like this is not what I'm used to eating. F- and you know, Americans, a lot of people. I know, I know people in the states and other countries that are they're just the same. Like they're they, they just want the same stuff that they've had their whole life. Yeah. And they're they're not being open-minded. It's okay for something to be weird and uncomfortable at first. You you get used to these things, and um, you may come to love them eventually. But if you don't try, you're missing out. You missing out. If you don't, if you don't go, them. if you don't go look, if you don't go places, you don't know anything. Yeah, there's a lot of joy hidden in 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 those parts of life where you just you don't dare to go. Right. It's not just the things you see and the things you experience. It's also what you learn about just about other people and and 
and what it means to speak another language and culture and how it affects the way you think about everything. Time and food and relationships, it's different. People, not everyone in the world thinks exactly the same way you do. It ties nicely to learning a language, right? And, and I think... It's very connected. It's, 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 it will be fair to say that everyone should make a little bit of an effort to, to learn a language if they stay somewhere, even for a short time. Just be curious I go for a week it. and I, I try to learn some stuff because it changes your interactions with everyone all the locals when you even if you just say one phrase they'll you know every every country will smile almost every country <laughs> there's probably an exception or two there's an added bonus of uh, feeling a dopamine spike in, right. in, in your brain yeah yeah which yeah, I'm understood it motivates you to keep going and you have a good time and it endears you to, to people when you go talk to them instead of just shouting at them in English <laughs> excellent thank you for sitting down with me sure um Learn Thai from a white guy.com. Yep. And uh, yeah, let the journey go on. <laughs> <laughs>